That's if I'm feeling in the mood. Hello, <laughs> welcome to Unscripted Gaming. Um, thank you for coming back. Uh, my name is Frey. Who are these other people with me? My name is Mike. And I'm Josh. That was a, that was a classic Unscripted Gaming opening. Just, just peak early USG. Mm. Love it. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, if you ever go back and listen to some of our earlier episodes, they still don't hold up. Um, <laughs> the bad audio. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Don't. I, sta- I stand by that Super Metroid series. Uh, I always re-upload it. Like, anytime, like, YouTube, like, hits it with the ban hammer, I just delete them and re-upload it. I, I think they're solid. I think they're good. Uh, so, gentlemen... Um, you mind if I start off before we start off with um, what games that we're playing with a little bit of tea? I like tea. Man, we're we're right off the bat. Let's go. I uh, tea me up, baby. This better be good. You were hyping this. Okay, so um, you you guys have heard of the YouTuber, the Completionist, right? Maybe you've heard of him. Maybe you haven't. What he does, his shtick is. He plays video games not just to get to the end screen, he completes them. He gets, like, every achievement possible. He's been doing it for probably a decade and a half. A really long time. And he's he's fun to watch. Um, he's got a fun story. He's got fun co-hosts that come on all the time. He's he's knocked off some bucket list items. Like, he's met Shigeru Miyamoto. He's met Reggie Fizeme, um with some weird games. And he's a class stand-up guy. He really is. Now, he has kind of a negativity in his life that he openly talks about. Um, when he was young, when he was 10 years old, his mother uh, passed away. She passed away from early-onset dementia. It happens sometimes. And so he started an organization where they raise money for patients. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, you already know where this is going. Uh-huh. Settle in. Uh, put, put, put the harness on, you know what I'm saying? Uh, Five-point harness. <laughs> started an organization where he plays games. It's called... Um, whatever land that's not the that's not the important part um the open hand foundation has been around since 2014 so close to 10 years a little bit over 10 years actually for if you count before his mother passed away and over the 10 years he's been raising the money for early onset dementia or just dementia awareness he has never donated that money to any organization it has just been sitting in a bank account. And they are a 501c tax organization, which means that this information, for the sake of the people, is public record. And publicly, you can see, in the state of California, he has not donated any of this money. But he has skimmed some money off the top for, and I quote, operating expenses. And to compensate himself when he does some of his video game charity streams. Now... Once this was revealed, he's been very silent about this. Like, he hasn't posted a new video. He hasn't updated his social media. It's been over 10 days. I like the guy, but I gotta say, I'm getting kind of... I'm feeling a little weird. And, and, and... When it was found out in 2022... That, like, someone confronted him and said... Someone confronted him face-to-face. There's a video of it. Uh, to watch this video, go to Some Ordinary Gamer and look up uh, The Completionist. It's the first video that pops up in the last two weeks as of the recording of this. He does a full breakdown, does all of his work. Uh, He's confronted face-to-face and says, yeah, I've known that this was an issue since 2021, 2022. But in 2023, just a couple months ago, he held that same charity organization gaming stream and said he was still donating the money, completely aware 
that that money wasn't going anywhere and that money hasn't gone anywhere in the last 10 years. There is $600,000 just sitting in a bank account that, that has not gone towards dementia. This is good. I, I'm pro this. I, you know, <laughs> pro in Mike, pro embezzlement Mike. What's, I'm just curious, like, what the end game is here of, like, you've got, you've got this, like, stash of dirty money. You uh-huh. know, it, 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 did, was he waiting to hit his, a magic number before he made a donation? Was he waiting until his conscience, like, told him it was okay, this is mine? Like, you know, just what was the, what was the end game here? So to him, he was trying to say that he, because he lost someone extremely dear to him in his life, his mother, he wanted to donate as much money as possible, full pop, towards an organization that wasn't going to use it for admin resources or for, like, his words, not mine, doctor salaries, just towards the research of dementia. How? Uh, right, How? right, yeah, uh, right. The, the, you are correct to ask the question, what do you think they do? What do you think the doctors <laughs> do? You have to pay doctors to do research. <laughs> Did you know they collect checks for goods and services <laughs> that are conducted? I have bad news for this person about the way anything works. Like, right. A, 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 that at the end of the day, like, that just sounds incredibly selfish of, like, I want to make the biggest check possible. Like, you uh-huh. know, you could just donate 60 grand a year for 10 right. years and be cumulative. Also, you know, hot take, I don't think any donations and gifts should have any sorts of stipulations on them, like to universities, to political campaigns, to anything. Like, a gift is a gift, and that organization will use it how they best they see fit. If you want to decide how the money is involved, don't just give a pot of money. Actually be on the board, get involved, work for the organization. Like, uh-huh. if you if you want to have a say in how the money is used, then get involved. Otherwise, hey, thank you for or the gift. Or give a lot of money. Yeah. Give all of the money. Be the sole right. person. Now, it has been... Someone pointed out, and this is a very good point. It's very good. And it's also very sad. Um, $600,000 is a lot of money. That is a lot of money towards research development. Um, at, at the highest ballpark, that is paying six full-time doctoral researchers for a year to study dementia. That's something that they didn't have before, right? That's a serious impact. Um, But due to the rising cost of inflation and the COVID pandemic, $600,000 does not travel as far as it could have. It just doesn't. So by him sitting on that money for 10 years, he has depreciated the own value of his charitable donation. It is not good. He should have done what any uh, smart American uh, would do. It's put that... Uh, in the market, right? Oh my gosh! He no, I'm put serious. It in like it's, you know, it made would have probably would have made, made more money. Said it, yeah. Or he should have taken a book out of my favorite Congress critter and just said, you know what, this money is mine now, and I am going to bankroll <laughs> OnlyFans creators and uh, lip injections, and you know, go Look. from there goals am i right like i'm just saying look, like every he he's supporting our our fabulous 
I mean, our Reddit, Reddit would be pissed off at this. Um, our personal finance, Wall Street bets, like. Uh, is he gay? Mad- Hold on, back up. No, I'm not letting you get away with that. Is he gay? Because his OnlyFans I accounts for kinda. all women. <laughs> I just, I just want to get that oh, out there. I think she, uh, go ask him. I'm pretty sure he is. I keep by minimum. I'm, I'm no. He lies so much. He's just, I, he's just really <laughs> subby. You know, he, he's a, sw- he's a subby switch. It's fine. He really just uh, saw, saw be gay do crime and was like, that's a great idea. And I just is running with it. And you have to. Again, this is something I think we've discussed on the podcast before. Mm. Uh, I think crime should have a hijinks exception. This is a lot of hijinks. If you, <laughs> if you do something funny enough that is illegal, um, you sh- you you get away with it, right? The, the more illegal and bad the thing is, the funnier, the funnier it, has it has to, to be. be. And Santos is just outpacing it, it just that much because he's so funny. But it's kind of, it's not illegal. It's just unethical, which is not a crime. I think country. it actually is illegal um, what he's doing. I'm pretty sure he violated yeah, he is, several he is, federal yeah, breaking, laws. Yeah, he's definitely breaking campaign finance law. <laughs> I, like, uh, I think the FBI is talking to him, if I'm being serious. <laughs> Little Okay, but who IRS. isn't, right? Okay, so. okay, fair enough. You know, who, who hasn't had that blue jacket with yellow lettering knock on their door on a Wednesday? It happens to the best we've all, of us. We've all been there. Uh, okay, that aside, you know, get, embezzlement of cash aside. Hey, Mike, what games are you playing right now? Hey, uh, Ray, that's a great question. Um, uh-huh. I have played a couple of games recently. Um, uh... I want to make a good use of my time and not talk about uh, the game that is uh, I'm trying to think of a better way to lead into this. Um, okay. Spider-Man 2 reeks of liberalism. Let's dive right in. <laughs> reeks of it. It's just, again, when you, like... When you told me of that one side mission where it's like, we're going to assemble a bunch of drones from some. Okay, that was money. a joke tweet. That was not real. Okay. But the spirit of that is a hundred percent correct in this game. Okay. Okay. And it, it's it's honestly this game and the other game I'm going to talk about mm-hmm. that just really show. I think really paint a different picture because like Spider-Man Two is a game that is scared of its own shadow and a lot of its mm-hmm. writing and just the way they build that game. Mm-hmm. Um. It needs to be a lot of things for Sony and the PlayStation brand, and it mm-hmm. is. It's like, oh, we got people talked on Twitter about how Spider-Man built a, a surveillance network for the police in the last game, but but now he's a firefighter. See, see, he's he's good. See, he's good. See, so it's like, it's it's kind okay. of like conscious of itself, yeah, in the wrong way. That mm. just kind of filters into all the dialogue, all the writing, and it's just—it's so exhausting. It's like, uh, and and again, they do all this to tell a pretty IMO, pretty boilerplate kind of Spider-Man story. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, like, oh look, there's the black goo. I wonder what that is. Like, it's just—I I got a quick question. Then. Yes, how did you feel about the story in Miles Morales? Did not care for it really didn't like it no what part of it I, I'm not saying uh, you're wrong or right I'm just curious what part of it did you not like uh, again I think it's a lot of this and just like mm-hmm. 
I know this makes me sound like, oh, he hates woke stuff. That's not true. Shut up. Uh, I would never say that. But, like, him. right, thank you. You know, let's not be pandering, folks. But, like, it's just... It has a really... It feels like it's bending over backwards to, like, speak to these things in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, like, it's hard. Like, I can't quite put my finger on it sometimes. But mm-hmm. there'll just be like a line of dialogue, and I'm just like, "There, okay, why is that here? Like, who is who is this for? Right? Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like I could go back and like find the specific tweet that the writer of this game is like wants to respond to, and I'm like, why are you doing this? Like, <laughs> just what? Like, it's so it's so distracting to me, and just and uh, the other thing is like. It's an Arkham combat game, right? Yeah. And it makes me wish I was just playing the original Arkham game because, like, the punches and combos felt really strong and powerful in that game, and it just does not feel like that in this game at all. Which Um, is weird because, canonically, uh, both Spider-Men can hit so hard they can liquefy concrete, but they choose not to. So if their punches don't have impact, that's that seems odd. Right, like, there's like, a constant joke. You know, you've seen those joke Instagrams, those joke tweets of, like, Spider-Man is incapacitating someone, and this is them doing a 20-hit combo on a purse snatcher and axe-kicking them in the neck. <laughs> right. And, like, but it doesn't have, like, the actual oomph, like, minute-to-minute for me. Yeah. In a way that, like, the game that it's stealing this combat system... For, okay, stealing is rude. Uh, it's... Lifting this combat system from it just, I don't know, it it just doesn't really like click together and it's in some of that stuff. The swinging's great, um, but I don't know, it's it just is a game that I feel like is not confident in itself in some ways and feels like it has to preempt the criticism it's going to receive for a lot of things in a way that it just is like. It just betrays, like, a lack of confidence to me. I think I know what you mean. Like, no, go ahead, finish. No, Please. yeah, but um, compared to the other game, I'm real quick, I just want to mention I've been playing and have completed. That oh, is oh, that's right. Alan Wake 2. And, folks, that's a, that's a fucking video game right there. It's... <laughs> I don't think I've seen a game as confident in it's like director like in it's like direction mm-hmm. like as a director say I like directed this game I don't think I've seen a game like as committed to confident in and absolutely sticks and crushes the landing of its direction since like near automata mm-hmm. um interesting oh that's a that's a heavy comparison. and just like Remedy the game that made this, like coming off control, which is really well received. Mm-hmm. I think, like, does like an almost like Twin Peaks the Return kind of thing with Alan Wake 2. Still making my way through it. I just need you to know that. Thank you. Thank you. We, we got to talk. Um, and they just they made something really, they made a really cool game that is a really amazing showcase for like next gen technology in terms mm-hmm. of like the visuals, how quickly you're snapping into things. Um, 
like the acting and writing and characters are all really well done and really interesting and it's a love letter to things like Twin Peaks and X-Files while also being like a really great entry in the genre like by its own right and it is just again the complete like night and day in terms of like the confidence of um what it is and what it's shooting for and it just absolutely like slams it out of the park awesome uh, uh do i need to play alan wake one if i was to play alan wake two um i feel bad asking mm-hmm. people to go play an xbox game from like 2010 mm-hmm. to get alan wake two but the more you remember about that game the yeah. more you will enjoy Alan Wake 2. I don't think you have to literally play it, but you should, like, watch the FMV movie or something. Like, See, okay. you should be have, familiar with that I have game. some conflicted feelings about that. Like, a 13-year-old game... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, you released a quote-unquote sequel 13 years later. Yep. Mm-hmm. I do believe there is some responsibility on the game director or the game itself to like get you up to speed uh-huh. sooner rather than later and not rely on you having played the first or remembering things like hell I'm a uh-huh. great example of somebody who very well could have played something 13 years ago and I will remember absolutely nothing about it like it, right. I could go into that and play it again and it be almost a brand new experience to me so like I, I and I don't know how they handle it, but I do feel like a thirteen year gap, you you do have a responsibility to be more intentional with some of that like needing to have background information going in. Yes. I, I don't I, want I to undercut your point and interrupt Ray, I apologize, but that is that is something taken into account and uh is something that they absolutely speak to in one of the uh, best parts of the game is what I would say about that. Hmm. Which is not to be all cryptic and everything, but like... Mm-hmm. Well then, and maybe maybe I, I, this is an interesting experiment for, for us to do, because I don't know if, if, Ray, you would go back and play or at least watch it. Um, well, um... I was actually going to say, Josh, to the point of you saying the developer has a responsibility, there was a remaster released in 2021. It's available on everything, including Switch. I think their responsibility has been fulfilled. That's fair enough. I will say, I went into this game having not touched the remaster at all. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, I remember, you know, big picture what the events of the first were. I did yeah. not really visit it significantly at all before I jumped right into this. Uh-huh. I would say like some cursory knowledge of it is going to be helpful just so you get the basic concept. And then there's a lot of like little teases, like some returning characters that are like oh, that kind of fun highlights uh, if you really dig in. But, um, but yeah, I think that there is like, but they, that is a good point, Josh. And I think part of that is honestly, sorry, I'm like taking up a lot of time here. I know we wanted to keep this brief, but like uh, part of that is I think Remedy wanted to 
had wanted to work with Microsoft on making an Alan Wake 2, uh, Microsoft said no, and and hmm. Remedy had to go and like acquire the IP back from them to mm-hmm. ultimately allow the creation of Alan Wake 2. So it's something that they have been wanting to do for a while, and I think like with some of the ama- like amazing things that they do, like technologically in this game i'm kind of glad that they weren't able to really do this until now um interesting i would say uh this game is it's not a sequel to it but it is there's a lot of you get a lot more i'd say the more pressing game to be aware of or play through mm-hmm. would be like control because like you know there was some dlc that like very that kind of directly sets the stuff happening in control in the same world as Alan Wake, and that's a game you should be familiar with before coming to Alan Wake Two. Um, just I so lo- you're prepared for some FMV shenanigans, baby. I loved saying. and hated Control. I loved playing Control. I hated the boss fights. Yeah, I I think the boss fights of Control were hot garbage, and I was shocked that they shipped with them. I played. Um, I started playing Control. I liked it, but I played mm-hmm. it during it. I played it in the early PC launch window when they were really buggy with AMD graphics mm-hmm. cards. So I played it during then too. Yeah. I was having so much trouble that I just I, I could not I could not get into it as much as I wanted to, and I put it down. I'm interested it, in Alan Wake too. I will probably go into it completely raw, to be honest with you, because like. Hmm. You know, I just I'm I'm interested to see too, like what it feels like if I go in relatively raw and like experience it without that full context. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, uh, Josh, what games are you playing? Oh man, well I'm I'm between I'm in I'm in four games right now uh, here and there. So um, I just started Sea of Star last night, uh, a, a pixel style. Um, Final Fantasy like RPG, um, you know I'm only about. You're good things. I'm only about two hours in, but the artwork is phenomenal. Uh, the, the the way that the game moves, very vibrant colors. I like the characters so far. Um, I like the combat system. You know, very turn based, but in a very uh, approachable and logical fashion. So um, you can also do like you're not just a passive participant. You can. Um, as you're fighting, you can interact with the attack at the right time and potentially do extra damage. You can also do the same thing um, when you're getting attacked. You can block and do some extra, you know, get get some extra damage to reduce from that. Uh, a lot of fun there. I'm, I'm excited to see kind of where the story goes. Um, still playing Starfield. Uh, kind of falling off that a little bit. Uh, kind of hit a, a bit of a slow patch and just other stuff going on so i haven't gotten back into that recently um i probably played last week um playing mario wonder game is great very excited about that just started world 2 uh that game is a lot of fun very approachable my daughter's my oldest daughter is also playing it and we're kind of like progressing at the same time which is a pretty cool experience um that's adorable and the wife and I are finally getting into Tears of the Kingdom. Ah, yes. Noted Zelda game, Tears of the Kingdom. I will have probably more to say on this game at Game of the Year. 
Oh, well. But. Hints. I'm how, not how far having you? fun. Welcome to my world. At <laughs> all. Like I, I I had opinions on that game. Even even like a little bit. Like I'm in, Oh wow, oh wow. I'm enjoying the story, I think. I'm enjoying <laughs> yeah. spending time with my wife. Yeah, yeah, sure. But playing that game sucks ass. So hard. Wow, this is strong. No, uh, no, no, I want to defend Josh here because I felt like I was going crazy. Because when I hit hour twenty-five of that game, I thought like, okay, I think I'm done with this. I just want to like this game to be over now. And I still had, I kid you not, forty-five more hours of game left. And, and but when I finally finished it, when I roll credits, I'm like, I, uh, wow, that that wasn't as fun as I thought it was going to be. That's shocking. Um, I feel drained is how I felt after I beat that game. Um, so, so, so I'm starting, I personally think Josh is like hitting the, the wall I hit where I'm like, I haven't explored every single mechanic, but I've explored the surface of all your mechanics. And I don't think I want to keep going with this, but the game's like, but you've barely touched anything. There's so much. Come to the fire temple. We promise you won't have a bad time. You have like a god awful freaking time in the fire temple. Like the game, it's just it. It is too hard. The mechanics don't always make the most sense, especially early on when you don't have a lot of stuff. Um, Wait, it's too hard. What, what are you having difficulty with? It's not a. It's not a Souls game. You shouldn't die in one hit the second you get off the fucking Sky Island. Like, it's it's a Legend of Zelda game. To come down and get hit, killed in one hit every single fucking time is infuriating. Especially for somebody like me who has limited time or is only playing it an hour or two, an hour at most of the time. Like, it's, uh -huh. it's stupid hard. Like, it's not fun, challenging. It's just like, hey... If you don't get pixel perfect timing, you're gonna die. And even if you get pixel perfect timing, sometimes this enemy is just gonna have a long reach. And I know it's a bacoblin, and in the last game, you fucking killed them by the fucking trillions. But in this game, he is basically the Hulk, and you're dead, you dumb motherfucker. You stupid twink. Why do you keep letting your girlfriend get stolen? This is what's happening to you now. Like, oh my god. I, I, I... I love this rage mode of Josh saying the Bacoblins <laughs> are dunking on me! Somebody help! Skill issue. But no, I think that's legit. Because, like, it takes a while to get, like, really good armor. Uh, it takes a while to get just... any armor. Like, to get anything. It, cause it, oh, yeah. Armor hunting in this game is awful. Like, you... it's act. They found a way. They took the Breath of the Wild version of armor hunting and they made it worse. Like, objectively worse it just takes and longer i didn't do it i beat the entire game without doing it i'm like no i don't this I, this is the line i don't know how many hours i have in but i i, I would say i'm in the six to ten range now at this point you know and i've maybe found like 200 rupees like you mm -hmm. there is no money there is no money it, no it's, it's in a very economy starved game for on purpose but it's bad. That's bad. It's bad. It sucks. It's I bad. hate it. I'm not having fun. And I, <laughs> I I, want to, but I'm not. You should have... Uh, this is the part where I admit where I, I uh, 
generally enjoyed my time with Tears of the, Tears of the Kingdom. Uh, beat the final boss. Uh, left a lot of side quests and stuff on the table that I have not had a ton of desire to go back to. Yeah. Um, I liked building the contraptions and building yeah, the gizmos. I, hate, I hate it so much. Um, it's so unintuitive. It's whoa. so fucking clunky. I, uh... I did wow. play this game with the dupe glitch, is what I'll say. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I think I they finally patched that. that out. I think. I did not use the dupe glitch. I didn't do that. I would. Uh, I, I, I think that would have increased my enjoyment of the game, but I did not if, do that. If I had Starfield-like console commands, I would enable God mode at this point and cheat 1,000%. Cause like I mean I'm I'm at the point I think I've I've I have forced myself to grind shrines. Which let me tell you, when you want to just like experience a story with your your partner and they're sitting mm -hmm. there and you're like, sorry, honey, I need to go to two thousand shrines to try and like increase my abilities and I need to do these stupid physics puzzles. Let me tell you, really engaging experience uh, from a gaming perspective, but. I, I like the shrines. <laughs> I've gotten, I think I'm up to six hearts now. And still, okay. go to a fucking Bacobin. One hit. I'm like, what the fuck is the point of getting any sort of additional hearts because it's a one hit game? Like, fuck this. It sucks. I hate, oh my god. I'm loving this. I, I have been raptured right now of Josh just walking up to like single Bacobin. Just getting Mike Tyson punched in his link face. That's just. Like, Dude, see the game like, over screen. I, That's I great. I swear to God, I feel like I accidentally launched the game in in like new game plus hard mode because it shouldn't <laughs> be like it just shouldn't it shouldn't be like this. Do you have a shield? Are you not using a shield? Don't you all have shields? Do you? Yeah, not have a shield? I'm sorry. Do you have any be games on your because of the fucking calamity? Every time you like look at a shield, it breaks on you, and you only the have capacity for one and a half shields. So like, I'm sorry. What am I supposed to do with this? I I do like how they made the damage system in the game. Like how um, you know the weapons were brittle in Breath of the Wild. They're even more brittle they're worse. now. It's, the, it's it's yeah. It they're sucks. definitely more it's brittle. Awful. Like, and to compensate for that, they said, well, you could use the Ultra Hand or whatever it is to go ahead and combine them. And some of the combinations you get are hilarious. Like, what's better than one sword? Two swords! And you got this giant mother effing sword. And it's still funny to me. I will never take this away from Breath of the Wild or Tears of the Kingdom. Whenever a Bacoblin is rolling up tight on you and it's going, you know, doing a little run animation, and you crack a double claymore over them so hard the sword just happens to break and they go flying 20 feet, I laughed every single time that happened. Up to the end of the game, that never got old for me. The, the specific sound effect of the crack and you, you see shatter effects. Like, I'm going to hit you so goddamn hard with this sword it will shatter into a thousand pieces and then you do it that never got old to me now to josh's point the entire weapon brittle system i don't know i'm still not sold on it i I, I still it sucks it 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 makes an already not fun game even less fun like you you know what's especially because like it, at this point of the game i'm still like Hey, you know, I've got weapons that are five, six strength, and then I'm like, oh, I, you know, I get a, I get a, um, 
I get a Bacoblin arm, which is 20. I'm like, oh, great. I can finally do a little bit of damage. But that thing breaks when you swing it. Like, oh, you don't even yeah, have to. You don't actually after. make contact. You never get to use the damage for that weapon because it breaks before you hit the, you know, get to the fight. So <laughs> it breaks in midair. It's just disintegrating in midair. You equip, you equip it, enemy. and it's like your Bacoblin arm is badly damaged. You're like, I didn't even use it yet. You start swinging. Your Bacoblin arm broke. I'm like, what the fuck? Oh, my God. You know, Josh, you can combine, when you get a shield, you can combine the shield with a sword, and it makes it a sword shield. It'll, it'll increase the strength of your shield. Oh, combine the shield with something that's, like, on fire, so that any the enemy hits I have you, three, they get on fire. I have three shields that have that, like, uh, the flame emitter on it. Um, yeah, that's really cool. But again, they last I, two hits, and they're broken. It's... I've been holding a lot of this in... And I know, I know, I shouldn't like, I shouldn't have these feelings, but I do. And I think, let them cook. Speak your truth. I, you know, Josh, you should not play Elden Ring. I never under any circumstances. I have no, I have no interest. I have no interest in okay. playing bad games. But it's um, twenty twenty one. Okay, maybe now here. wait just a, a <laughs> second here, but yeah, there, it's know. okay to have bad opinions, but twenty twenty one. I'm just, I'm <laughs> just saying. Where we are, you know, we will uh -huh. probably record our Game of the Year podcast in a month or uh -huh. two. I've played a, I've played a decent number of video games this year with a list of five. It may not make the list. It may not make the list. I'm just uh, saying it right now. There, there are some games I've played this year where I, uh, I absolutely was shocked that they were so bad. Um, but to me personally that I couldn't dare, like, put it near my top five. A example being, and we'll get to it later, um, I'm looking at that $70 copy of Final Fantasy 16, and I'm looking real hard at it, and I'm like, come on, buddy. <laughs> come on, little guy. Do something. Yeah. Not, <laughs> Do something. And, and that's, anyway. this is all not even necessarily talking about, like, the performance issues of oh, can this, we get game, that? this game being on <laughs> seven-year-old hardware that, mm. that really had no mm -hmm. right to be on like it's 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 i'm gonna steal i'm gonna steal something from skill up the fact that it drops to five frames a second the moment you activate any one of your hand superpowers let's be honest that's bad and in any other game it would rightfully get trounced but the fact that this entire game is a full release no other dlc no other microtransactions and it all fits onto a 32 gig cart I'm going to give it a pass like that is a miracle that this entire game works the way it does and I know you don't like the contraption system but some of the physics based systems that you could do in this game I think like that took either one really exhausted person or an entire office there's no other way this happens which I can I from a technical perspective I can understand it but I'm not yeah. gonna give it a pass and I'm not gonna excuse it I understand the like physics system like mm -hmm. you know we we, we ha we've had eras in gaming where like really innovative physics puzzles and things have have made games memorable like I'm I'm not gonna sit here and say that but mm -hmm. to release a game where the frame rate frequently regularly on the <laughs> hardware it was intended for drops to five frames a second 
is yeah, it's annoying. In, no, it's not annoying. It's inexcusable. It, ooh, ooh. You, that sh, that I'm you know I'm not gonna go make some big you know oh it's criminal or whatnot but like it's mm-hmm. it's Nintendo should be embarrassed that they released this game on this hardware. I think they're doing fine. I I, I know what you're talking about. I think, and, uh, yes, I think I get it. Because, I'll defend you. I will stand behind you in this regard because I always thought like every time when I was playing Tears of the Kingdom I'm like. Everyone is seeing this, right? Everyone is seeing that when you use the hand thing, the game turns into a PowerPoint slideshow. And everyone kind of, like, looks past it. And I understand why they're looking past it. It's because you've made, as Mike called it, the meat hammer. Which means you attach the stake to the end of the hammer and the stake became more powerful. And that that laughter I just did right there, that's worth the price of admission. I, but I don't know that it is, like... I... Go for no, it is to me. Go play Gary's mod. Like I don't know. Like it's, it is kind of Gary's mod ish. And but Gary's and I've never like I don't like Gary's mod. So maybe the, you know this colors say, my but... opinion. Like I'm mm-hmm. fucking well known Gary's mod <laughs> hater over here. It just and and granted again I'm very early on. Like mm-hmm. you know I'm still exploring the the four early cities of like getting information like I know I've got a lot of game to go but it just you're six hours in yeah oh boy it does not feel it feels like physically and technically bigger than Breath of the Wild but it feels a fraction of the actual like depth and size of that game like it does not feel like a grand epic like a Legend of Zelda game should be. I mean, it feels like a fun mod. It feels like, you know, oh, hey, we're going to do some physics puzzle and we're going to have a good time. You're going to run around. You're going to do these shrines and, like, you're, yeah, you know, you're going to die every 30 seconds because you're a, a baby and a breath of uh, wind can kill you. But, like, mm-hmm. it does not feel like a Zelda game, even with Breath of the Wild having changed what a Zelda game feels like in a good way. Like, it. I. Don't. I was waiting for this diatribe, honestly, because uh, I, I, I I agree with you to a lot of an extent. No, please don't think I'm trying to take the piss no. or anything. I think you're right in a lot of ways. Um, I think Tears of the Kingdom is, in a lot of ways, it's a, it, it is on a more technical level. It's definitely a more technically impressive type of this game. And I think I said this in our group chat once I beat the game. I said, I've beaten the game. I think I ultimately enjoyed it. But I want them to never use this game or system or map ever again. Yeah. Please do not ever do this again. You got your two out of it. That was enough. Move on. Um, Move on. New idea. Also, uh, Breath of the Wild, for all of its, you know, it's an earlier version of this game. It was brave enough that it believed in you, the player. Because remember, and I will never forget this. I think this is one of the bravest things an MMO game has ever done. Once you get off a tutorial plateau, what's that thing that pops up on the screen when you get off a tutorial plateau the moment you land on your paraglider? It says top of the screen, defeat Ganon, and the camera zooms into Hyrule Castle, and you see the snaking Ganon cloud roaring in the background, and the game means it. It me- it said, we taught you everything on that tutorial. You don't want to play this game? You want to rush? There's the castle, dummy! Go do it! Go beat the bad guy! And, and every single speedrunner in the world, you just see them get off a tutorial plateau, run straight for Hyrule Castle, kill Ganon. It's a harder battle, but if you have the chutzpah, if you're ready to go, 
You could do it. Uh, all, all, all the other, like, uh, Guardian Beasts, they just make the final fight with Ganon easier. That's it. That's all the... Tears of the Kingdom... They hint I'm at not it. Gonna give, I'm not gonna give away the ending, but I'm gonna say it doesn't do that. That's all I'm gonna say. I'm, I'm... If you hate playing Tears of the Kingdom right now, you are gonna hate this final yeah, boss fight! I, I'm kind of thinking about it, and like... You are... Woo. If, but brother, if he hates the, if it's like this is not a Dark Souls again. I have bad news for you. I ooh ooh that final <laughs> boss fight. I'm not giving anything away. That is Dark Souls to a T. All right. That that is. I had it to sit is down. It's easier than Dark Souls. Though. If the, the, ah! the <laughs> if by, if I don't know about that one. No, Chief. come on, Ray. Name I can name I can name several boss fights that uh were were much easier than that final boss fight. No cap. The demon? Is it, no cap, is no, it as frustrating? No cap. The Lord of as, Cinder is was as, easier than the final boss is fight. Is it as frustrating as that motherfucker in Armored Core that took me like three weeks to beat? Who's more frustrating? Uh, this, this, this final boss. Okay, I because the fi this final boss, all you could uh, for the fight you had with um, uh, the sea spider, right? Yeah. At any given time, Armored Core says change your layout. Uh, change your loadout. You can't do that here. What you go into that final boss room with, you get good or you get dead. All right. I need from you two right now, in this moment. Okay. I mean, this will be six years from now, uh, apparently, at the rate we're playing this. But if by the <laughs> grace of the Great Fairy we ever get to the end of this game, I need uh -huh. you guys to tell my wife that I'm not necessarily bad at games. This game is just particularly brutal and to shut the fuck up when I die 18,000 times. I, it took me, and I'm going to warn you right now, it took me an hour and a half because I went into that boss room without a specific item. If you don't have this specific item, the boss becomes tenfold more difficult because you have to do a no-hit run. And so I sat down for an hour and a half with my Switch, and I did a no-hit run. I... I could sit down right now and I can no hit the final boss. You're, no, you're gonna have key. to. You're gonna have to text me that item because I cannot, will not. You'll know what it is, but should, I'll tell you when you get there. I will. And, I will uh, not do a no hit run. Like I'm, again, <laughs> fucking the, uh, the infuriating nature of like I'm in a fight with a fucking tuba coblins and one of them hits me and gives me one quarter heart and I have to fucking hit start and eat 18 fucking apples so that I can I come this. back out of the start menu. I can hit Skill the start menu and get hit by the second Bacopolis and this. immediately die. I love Link falling off of the sky towers and Bacopolis like pop out the bush and say, run your shit! And they beat the crap out of Link! The world's greatest swordsman the, killed by a the, fucking Bacopolis throwing an apple at him. What a fucking loser. The hero of the wilds just getting his... <laughs> His crap kicked in by the low-level enemies with, like, a small little stick for a sword and a piece of wood for a shield. And Link's like, no! No, please! And they're just beating the crap out of him. And Josh is over there with the controller hand saying, this is impossible. Yeah. I, love, <laughs> I love that image. Yeah, fucking Bacoblin uses, uses a fucking great stick like the fucking Master Sword. I get it, and it breaks the second I, like, look at it the wrong way.
You should avoid every optional boss in this game. I'm just warning you I, right now. I found they I, only get worse. I found one of those like random like stone talus guys in the world, and I squared up to him, and I'm like, I don't know why. why. <laughs> I don't know because I was like feeling, I was feeling the, the feeling yourself. Well, I was feeling the boldness that I felt in Breath of the Wild of like, hey, you know, if if I just lock in with the systems, like anything is possible mm -hmm. at any point in this game. That is not the case in Tears of the Kingdom. Like. You, yeah. you are certainly, even if you're in the opening areas, there are areas in the opening areas where it doesn't matter how good you are. You cannot go there yet because you have not gotten X, Y, or... Ugh. I do like how the stone talismans are like mobile battle platforms now. I think that's neat. I think that's really cool that like they stand up and there's bokoblins riding them, shooting arrows at your ass. And there's... You better take out the bokoblins. You gotta watch for the stone talus, like throwing. I don't know. I thought that was really cool. And then the way you can attack the st stone talus is you can take like a, a, a torch. You set some grass on fire. It causes the wind to rise up due to updrafts. You paraglide up to the stone talus, and then you like diving stick attack or diving hammer attack onto the like weak point on its head. Those, there. That game has some fun moments. Like I don't. I actually am going to not besmirch anybody for saying, like, that was my game of the year. Because it does have moments. It's not... I don't know if it'll be mine. I don't know. I, I'm going to take a moment to think about that. Because there were some times where I'm like, this game's alright. This game is... Anyways, <clears throat> I want to talk about, um, Josh, if you're done with your diatribe well, of I um, could, I, how much you hate... I like the story and the music. They're really good. I think the good. music's okay. Come on, I, I think the saxophone. Come the on. saxophone part is Come like on. um, is really epic. That, I'm legitimately trailer. I've only played six hours I'm of this game. Serious. I could do ten hour rant on this game. So like, please just can just cut me off and continue. Okay. Uh, so here are the games I've been playing lately. Uh, I did. One of my friends told me to buy and beat Mario Wonder, so I bought and beat it over like a week. And um, I'm sorry to say. Another solid W has crashed through into 2023. Mario Wonder is like, on a at least a technical level, one of the best video games ever made, like easily. And the reason why I say that is, as Mike was talking about, a game that's not confident in itself. Mario Wonder is so confident in everything it does. Every single level in this game is different. And I don't mean that is like, well, every level in every game is different. No! Every single level in this game teaches you, the player, a brand new mechanic and a brand new way to traverse it. Every single one. Every level. New enemies. Whole levels have enemies that you will see once and it'll just exist in that one level. That's bravery! Think about that. They went ahead, they modeled the enemy, they put in the AI, they put in the mechanics of the level, you're gonna see it for maybe 90, 180 seconds at most, and then possibly never again, depending on the route that you take. That is a sort of exuded game design confidence that just, I, I love it, I loved it! Beating that game, and it didn't take long, it takes like eight hours to beat, but I, I loved every single minute I had with Mario Wonder. And it's not just like you play the levels. Every level has a sub-level to it, because every level has a Wonder Seed, almost every level, that you can find. And then the world turns into this weird psychedelic trip where it takes the mechanic that it taught you, and it puts that mechanic into overdrive, 
What if you were riding on top of the uh, the bulrushes? That's an early level. You ride on top of the bulrushes, and you discover that the bulrushes break things, but what if you rode on a bunch of them, and there was a bulrush stampede, and you had to ride on top of them to get to the extra wonder... That is... It was so fun. Gosh, I love that game. <clears throat> For $60, eight hours, fully released Mario game, and the multiplayer aspect of it is actually really cool. Like, that, Josh, have you turned on the multiplayer of Mario Wonder? We have not yet, um... Turn it on, turn it on, turn it on. Uh, it, it, it acts like Dark Souls in that you see ghosts of other players playing the game right there with you. And the ghosts interact with you. They're like, do you could do little emoticons. And I was having trouble with one part of the game. And the ghosts would like cheer me on. They do a little emoticon. And if you die, you don't immediately die and lose the life. You turn into a little ghost yourself and you have to swim over to either an active online player or to a little sign like a little sign they leave in the ground. They literally took one of the best parts of Dark Souls and they put it in the Mario Wonder as an active multiplayer mechanic. And it's freaking genius how the all the players that are just kind of playing the same level at the same time and you kind of race each other. You don't actually race. It just shows like, hey, this player is going through with you and you can kind of like soft interact with those players but they can't interfere with your game world. And it's... It's so fun. It's so good. It, it, uh, I haven't felt this good about a Mario game since, like, Mario Odyssey, which, of course, the Nintendo Switch also kind of started with. Uh, it's cool to see the Switch eventually. It, you, we all know the Switch 2 is coming soon. It better just be the Switch 2 and not the Wii U 3 or some, some dumbass ideal like that. Um, it, it's cool to see Nintendo leaving out on, like, this extremely high note for Mario Wonder. Anyways... Gonna put that beautiful game oh my to God. the side. No, but you're real quick. You're correct. Like it is phenomenal. Um, you know, I, I have a unique perspective of like playing it with my oldest daughter. No, mm -hmm. not necessarily playing it with her, but like we are both playing it at the same time. I'm coming mm -hmm. in as a 33 year old man with a lot of experience and a lot of prior knowledge on like how a Mario game works. Just like general things like you automatically know about a mario game of like hey the little like line platforms you can jump up through but you may not necessarily know that if you're a seven-year-old who hasn't really played a 2d mario platformer by herself on her own but luckily early on there is a level specifically there to give you a wonder seed to move on to advance that it's like hey i'm gonna teach you about wall jumping and it's a whole level that is dedicated to teaching about wall jumping, but also at the same time, it's like, hey, learn how to wall jump, but also realize, in case you didn't quite pick up on it yet, you can go up through this. You can't go back down, but you can. Like, these things aren't just, like, places where you're going to bump your head. You're going to go up. And it just, it does a really good job of onboarding new people who may not have played a Mario game, but also, like, taking what you know about a Mario game as somebody who's been playing it for however many decades and adding something to that. Like, I love that without fanfare or anything, from the moment you launch the game, oh, hey, you've seen this in the advertisement. You saw it, uh, you know, in the picture of Mario being an elephant. Boom. Here you go. Mario's an elephant. Yeah. And they give you everything of, like, the abilities that he, that elephant has. Right off the bat, you get to experience it, and they've got something there for to teach you how to do it without even giving you prompts. It's just like, oh, hey, by the way, you walked through some water. Now you've got water you can throw as the elephant. It's 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 phenomenal. You, you know what's special about that? 
It's so special that the first power-up they give you is the elephant power-up. What they're not showing you are the 18 other power-ups in the game that you have to play to experience. Like, it starts with Mario turning into an elephant. That is the bottom of the pyramid. Yep. Play the game. We got so much more to show you. And, and and some of them, like, took... I, I won't spoil it here. Some of them took me aback. Like, Nintendo's over here flexing. Y'all sleeping on this. Put... I, I almost want to say, put Zelda aside. Over here, the yeah. people in Nintendo it's, EAD1, they're like, we made another Mario! It's, Come play this shit! It is amazing and, and like, that <laughs> Nintendo released the worst Zelda game and the best Mario game <laughs> in the same year. Now that is uh That is a take. I don't know about that, my friend. I, I, the, I don't know. You're right. You're right. Wind really? Waker exists. I forgot about that. Fucking hot garbage, so... I was gonna say Skyward Sword at least. My you goodness. can start there. I, 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 Skyward Sword knows what it did. Defend Fee right now on this podcast in front of can, God and Country. Can defend I, Fee. Can I call my friend Chad Ochocinco real quick? Because uh, I can do that. Wink. Oh my goodness. So there's one other, uh, two other games I've been playing. I've been hearing good things about Hi-Fi Rush, so I played the first like couple levels of that. I like it. It's something I've dreamed about for a long time. It's a rhythm-based action game. Think think Devil May Cry, but you have to stay on the beat uh, with all your attacks. You have to stay on the one-fourth beat. It's fun. I like it. It's neat. I'll eventually beat it here soon. It's not too long. And um, there's an indie game called Gear Bits. It's made by one Ballers guy. Gate Sorry. Go ahead. But <laughs> little indie game called Baldur's Gate 3. Um... No, Gearbits is... It's a giant robot game. It's very heavily inspired by Armored Core. The guy that made it clearly loves Armored Core and Gundam. I can see it in the UI. It's got the same UI as Armored Core, so I'm like, I know what you're doing here. Um, but also, this person also loved and loves Starship Troopers because you're constantly fighting off waves and waves of, like, alien bugs and insects, giant insects that you need the mecha suits to combat. I'm like, you know what? I didn't know I needed a combination of armor core and starship troopers in my life, but this is neat. This is fun. It, I like it so far. It's fun. It's clearly made by one guy, and it's clearly... Uh, he was stressed making it because there's a lot of typos in the game. Like, some of them, I'm like, <laughs> come on, guy. Mm. Um, I mean, if you're going to release a game, at least go through the dialogue trees and with a fine tooth comb. Also, the dialogue is, like, poorly written. I think that's the best mm. way I could put it. It's poorly written. But the game itself is really fun to play. I'm enjoying it. When we're done here, I'm going to play more of it. I'm probably going to beat it tonight. Um, and, of course, you know, I don't think we talked about this because we were doing the uh, Halloween episode, but uh, me and Mike have run through Boulder Skate 3. And um, I don't know what else to say besides that's honestly one of the best video games ever made and it's it's there they're, it's quite is, good folks the hype is real i you want to talk about okay i guess the theme is confidence in making a game i don't know what it'll take to replicate what they did in boulder skate 3 but i don't know if any studio is willing to take that plunge and that's okay i think that isn't that like again there's so many things to like say about that game where do you start? <laughs> um, I think one of the interesting things about it, especially considering, like, I know we're, like, running along here, but, like, um, 
one of the interesting things, one of the things that's been happening this year in a lot of different game companies is layoffs. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Across the entire economy, this is happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but everything's fine. Don't worry. Um, and just, like, the tech sector in general is just really getting hit with, a, like, the end of free money, I think. Yeah, and that's pandemic coming, money and whatnot. Yeah, that's kind of coming home to roost, really, as far as, like, interest rates go. Um, mm-hmm. That is, like, you know, the time to extract wealth has come. And you extract mm-hmm. wealth by making more money or reducing costs um and i think i don't think you can talk about Baldur's gate without talking about the fact that larian is this is technically an indie game like they own they are their own company they did self-publish didn't they yeah and they spent like five years making this game and in it basically this is i don't think with how like EA, uh, Microsoft, Sony, how any of these big companies are structured, mm-hmm. I don't think a project as ambitious as Baldur's Gate 3 would have been permitted to exist as it does today. And I think that is something that... Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, I don't want to like get into a whole like console war kind of thing but like it's something it's a discussion we need to have about like the medium of this industry and art that we talk about right like Mm -hmm. if the only way you like for movies for example if like the only way you're like the only kinds of movies and projects you're seeing are like you know off the production line like MCU movies that's going to Mm -hmm. change and limit your perspective of like what you think the medium can do who it can be for and what kind of things you can say really and you know I don't don't think like I don't think Baldur's Gate is doing anything like I don't want to say it's like I don't want to like over praise it Um, I will but like just on a technical level like to have that kind of depth in all of those systems mm-hmm. alongside some of i think the best character performance and writing i have seen in a game in a long time is really cool and i think it's something that needs to be and i think probably will be celebrated as a remarkable achievement so and i know that larian studios is independent like you know and this is just me not knowing much about them like okay what what projects like what did they do before like leading up to Baldur's gate or how did they get mm-hmm. their funding to like pay people during the the production of Baldur's gate I'm glad uh, you asked. Divinity. So, the Divinity yeah, the, series is like some of their earlier games. Um, also, this game was early access, too. They kickstarted Divinity 2. Or, I mean, Divinity Original Sin 2. Um, I think that was kickstarted or some sort of like crowdfunding game. And that gave them a lot of leeway to 
But what, that game was a success. And like, a when, massive what, success. what year was that ish? 2017. Okay. Yeah. Once they released that game, they said, okay, we got the license to make a D&D game uh, based on Baldur's Gate. We got the Baldur's Gate license because there are several Baldur's Gate games. And they said, we want to do Baldur's Gate 3, but we're honest, we want to do it right, so we're going to do it slowly. So they've released the early access version of Baldur's Gate 3 in 2020, and they've just been plugging away at it for three years straight. And then when they reached the point where they're like, yeah, this is as good as we're going to get it. We're done, and we're going to go on vacation. I hope you like it. Uh, sir, we love it, actually. Um, if you, Come back here. Come, come receive your many awards that you are going to receive for this shining beacon on the hill of video gaming. I, I want to sing its phrases for a little bit. Everything is voiced. Everything is voiced. There's a battle pigeon. There is a battle pigeon. You talk to it, he talks about his combat. <laughs> his combat records in the Pigeon Wars. And it gets the great cats. I one time talked to a cat. We could go on to our whole stories of like what we've encountered in Baldur's Gate 3. But I will say this. I was walking down the road in a town I won't talk about, and I saw a cat, and I drank the potion that let me talk to animals, and the cat is voiced, and the cat said, I'm part of a very unique religion, would you like to join it? The cat proselytized to me, and I said, you know what, as a paladin, I said, you know what, I respect your religion, cat, I'm, I'm picking up what you're throwing down, I wish to join your religion, and the cat said, Kind of weird of you to just join the religion of a stray cat. I'm gonna walk away now, you weirdo. And the cat left! <laughs> it's that sort of, like, writing. It's that sort of and confidence like, I that I love. I <laughs> that cat as my monk, and they had no problem with it. Uh, and really? I joined you no joined their religion? Because I'm not, a, I'm not a paladin. I'm a monk. <laughs> uh, wait, wait, wait. Back up. Bro, Were you actually able to join that cat's religion? Yes. <laughs> that's funny that's so good but the game is great the game has I think the uh, lead dev says that if you actually counted every single permutation of what counts as a completion of the ending of a campaign the game technically has 17,000 endings and yes that is on a technical level true say that, sound, that sounds like one of those things that like okay technically like every single character can have 18 different eye colors at the ending like that you know right mm-hmm. every character kind of seems to have a good ending 5000 of those endings are going to be basically the same with like one different line of slightly different dialogue like i you know that i talked with uh our friend matt who also recently beat the game and we hopped into dms to talk about our experience we had diff- we had you know a similar path for how we wanted to pursue. We even romanced the same character, but our endings were so different, so very different. No, no, this is I am anti Shadowheart. That's a joke. That's a joke. I I I did Shadowheart's complete quest line. Save I, me. That's another thing. Me, All the quest friend. lines are so moving. Like, get some Kleenex next to you. There there, there is so much emotion built into this game. Th- this was a script. This was a story that was written by someone that really, really, really understands the human experience and really understands the gravity of, like, not only death, because there's a lot of death in this game, but also the death of a character's name, the death of a character's being, the death of a character's journey. Like, 
It's beautiful. It's so beautiful in a lot of different ways. I loved I love this game. I could speak nothing of but positive things about it. Any negative I could say about Boulder Street 3. Um Some of the platforming area is not fun. Thumbs down. Platforming is dumb, dumb but like that's it. circumvented by like the endless potions that they give you and the magic that they give you. Uh, in Act 3 of the game, super unoptimized. It's actually embarrassing. Um, it's kind of crazy. It it's cringe. Uh, you wanna, we're back to the unoptimized. <laughs> yeah, it's... Act 3's bad. That's going to take like several years worth of patching to fix Act 3. It, it, I can tell that's the part they spend the least amount of time well, on. because um, By the time I make it to that game, hopefully it'll be yeah, patched. I think um, they just... They literally were just like, we've discovered... Like, we have found, like, a new planet or something. Like, they made an announcement to be like, we found a new optimization tool that we had no idea that we could do, but we can do it. Like, they announced that, like, NASA finding uh, Mars 2 or something. <laughs> well, I... Yeah. So, and that kind of had to, like... I think if I played Baldur's Gate with somebody who was experienced, it would be great. It's not a game I think I'll experience by myself because, like, that's just not the experience for me. And but, but to bring it back to the original, like, how we got here mm -hmm. of like talking about the layoffs in the industry and like, you know, holding up Larian as a shining example, I think that's great. But I, I am concerned about like it being the unicorn in the sea mm -hmm. of a thousand other small studios and starving artists and people who would love to like crowdfund their game and take the time that it needs to make it this massive epic or make it a success who are uh -huh. never going to get the traction or you know it's just like yes yeah, it is it's it definitely is, it's amazing it is wonderful that this independent studio was able to get this level of commercial success but it's uh -huh. also not necessarily a thing that you can extrapolate or make sustainable for every small studio and I, I mm -hmm. you know not every indie game gets the rights to the D&D right. license Baldur's game yeah. license. no I I don't think Mike or especially not me is saying like this is a this is a formula that can be emulated it can't this is like lightning in a bottle yeah and that's Which, fine and, Good it's, and, bad. and it's great and it, it you know it's for those artists, for that group, it's amazing. And there will be others like them who are able to capture that. But I think in a conversation about like the the corp the consolidation and the corporatization and the come and go nature of game development, you know, there there has to be a different conversation around how do we make this industry more sustainable you know how do we get to the the place where you know we aren't boom and bust where you ha you don't have your bungees who staff up for on speculation and then a year later mm. cut 30 percent how do you have mm -hmm. the studios who and I, I you know i don't know if this is is as much anymore with the way corporate consolidation has happened but like you know you hear so many times about like a studio would hire up for a project they would finish the project they'd lay off 
50% of the workforce, you know, have a skeleton crew there for maintenance. And then, you know, those people are just sitting around hoping that they get rehired for the next project that that studio announced six months down the line. Yeah, that's not much of a thing anymore. Okay, and I, I didn't, um, I didn't, I, I, I kind of had a feeling that the shift from there, that there was mm-hmm. a shift from there, but like that is still something that probably happens here and there, and and was big in the industry. You you can kind of almost thank the consolidation and corporatization of getting away from that because there's always something new to shift people to, but there's. Uh, it, the, the conversation has to be how do we make this industry more sustainable and to not fall as victim to those boom and bust cycles, which, I mean, I think is is a larger conversation because a lot of yeah. tech companies I, and, and folks are experiencing that, but... I, I don't think I have a magic wand answer. I think I have an answer that could work. I don't think the people who uh, own a lot of these companies and make a lot of these kind of layoff decisions, as we've been seeing lately, would like it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is probably just more collective action and unionization, broad like worker action to protect people, right? Like, or ha- even just have. Um, you know, I think like, yeah, I mean, I think that's a big piece, but I don't think it's everything, but like, cause a lot of honestly, like some of the stuff at like Bungie, mm-hmm. it just sounds like, you know, we don't have the full picture yet, but it sounds like a lot of that stuff is like, and like Bungie has been a studio that has like, you know, not to be like, you're like, we're a family here, but they've never had like they've generally had pretty good kind of reputation as far as like a good place to work. There have been a couple of like things that have come out more recently uh, that like some incidents here and there, but like compared to like the, like the culture you heard about at like blizzard and the stories that were written about that, those kinds of stories didn't come out about around about, out about Bungie, sorry about that. You know, you you, you so. heard about the you know the scrappy team who survived acquisition and and uh, you know uh, uh, what's the word like a, an independence run and then back to acquisition all with like keeping core people there and keeping employed you know and not not letting the acquisitions you know becomes hires or places where people got pushed right. out. Like you heard a lot of really good positive things about the way that they handled those, you know, big changes that they went those through. Those big changes and, then, and those 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 things that could have easily been mergers where a studio loses its identity in a larger corporation mm-hmm. and they just they didn't do that. Right, oh, yeah. and so and then all that happens. So it's like they have this good family like environment, and then all of a sudden like. They have a forty-five percent revenue miss. Like Lightfall is has like peak player numbers that Destiny has ever had, mm-hmm. and like how do you get like the raid race was the biggest it ever was, and that's like great because that's like the challenge of Destiny is like 
getting people to do the raids like that's the stuff they devs spend a lot of time on that stuff and yeah. unlike Baldur's gate where like there's a good amount of player base is not ever going to see a lot of this stuff and that's kind of the mm-hmm. magic of that game people doing raids in destiny is money for bungie so they need that because that's an invested player right and like this was the peak like never had there been more people attempting like a day one raid race like that's good for the game and then like uh you know like 10 months later they do this layoff and it's just like you know you need worker like action to try and help fight against that and honestly like this is something i don't think we talk about like get into the decision making of some of these things like if the developers feel like a decision coming from executive leadership is going to push the game in a wrong direction Mm -hmm. like having more voice to speak to that and say like we're not gonna do we're not gonna make that happen because we think that's bad for the game like having more power to speak to those things is Mm -hmm. like i don't know again i don't know right but also like and in you know just to not to say like you know i'm like they're not stupid no they're not stupid but you also like in a in a different world you think about like okay i'm the i'm the the bungee execs and i realize that we made a raid that people really were invested in and the first part of this the the year of lightfall people really invested in because we ended the witch queen so good like it was so good that i finished it and immediately went and spent 100 american dollars on lightfall and the year of Ew. content because I was like, <laughs> they they got it, they they got it. They're they're there. This is this is going to be it. You play the first season, you do the raid, and you're like, okay, that was good. I see kind of what they're building to. The raid was fun. Um, hopefully, this next year works towards building up to that, and they just kind of kept missing. So, like, you know, yes, they missed 45, but yes, it was one of the most anticipated and played raid races, but they didn't do enough throughout the rest of the year to keep people right. engaged. So Honestly, like, this is like shooting from the hip here. They they fell into the classic game developer trap of making a water level by doing the Titan season, cool setting. Underwater. But they what if they what if like what if we did a water level that lasted three months? It was bad. No water level. It was bad. And like, also I mean, made the know, dungeon. Not, not I had, fun. yeah, I had a, and I mean, granted, this was the following oh, season, the current season that we're in, but like, I had a basically game breaking bug that I had to have Mike come and right, help me like, fix because I hadn't finished the previous season, and I was at like two points that made something break, and it was. A month and a half into the game or to that season being out and it still hadn't been fixed and i think mm-hmm. definitely with like with the stuff that you said josh like there have been more like not to just turn this labor labor story into like the the destiny hour sorry um but there have been more full rollbacks 
like server rollbacks this year than in the entire history of Destiny 2 I think previously and wow. I think that speaks to a studio that is like burnt out and stretched thin right because they had um, they've got Marathon cooking uh, they've got oh, yeah. the final shape um, which they are working furiously on they still uh, is apparently de- uh, delayed her reporting Schreier, Schreier has not been officially is, announced. Schreier is saying it's delayed. Sticking to his guns on that, but, though, and I but believe him. Bungie has not still, amid mm. all the stuff that has been out for a few weeks, has not said that it is delayed yet. So, you know why they haven't said it? Because they fired their community team. Yeah, but hey, they that, got nominated for think, an award. That is what so is wild. that? That's hilarious. What is that? No, but um, but like. And, and it, it's hard is... to have like a seven month season without they're they're you know what they are they're doing they're crunching to put something in where they're gonna delay yeah. is gonna be. That's what they're doing right now, I think. But here mm. in, in kind of Which... what, what what Mike is saying of like you know you've got a you've got a studio that mm-hmm. is working on you know got a couple different irons in the fire, and nothing is really hitting like. You've got Marathon that is getting play tested and people aren't having fun. You've got Lightfall yeah. out and you're you're building up to basically the final crescendo of Destiny and people are like, wow, can we just have the Witch Queen again because this isn't as good as what it is and now I'm not as excited to necessarily play the final shape. Like, you, you, you can't necessarily come out as you know, the studio execs and say, Hey, stick with us for one more year. We're going to take, you know, we're going to, we're going to fire all the creative people and we're going to start from scratch. And, you know, for the morale of an internal team, you can't just say like, Hey, everything you guys have done and grinded over and crunched for is basically shit. So we're going to get rid of it and we're going to start from scratch. I want to point out something that is a huge miss for Bungie as a company, because I actually do like Bungie as a company, and I've turned the I've turned down job offers for them twice because they were under the Microsoft umbrella at one point, and Microsoft has a weird way of employee contracts that I don't agree with, that I just don't agree with it at all. Um, Bungie, they also fired a bunch of people based on the pre-order numbers for the final shape. They said the pre-order numbers yeah. weren't high enough. I think that's scum. I think that's such a scummy thing to do. You know, we're going back to it. Again, the theme of the, the podcast, video game confidence. That is so unconfident to say, like, the final shape is going to be mid at best. We didn't get enough pre-orders. We're cutting people. It's like... Are you making a good yeah. enough game that the amount of people that pre-ordered it won't matter? Like, it's... who pre-ordered Baldur's Gate 3? And, and, and it's making money hand over fist because people are enjoying it because it came out, right? Have the confidence to release a game. You know it's good and people will just play it. Like, do that I instead. Think to me, which I think like... is what they relied on the uh, Lightfall for. Yeah. I think they relied on the amount of pre-orders for Lightfall to float them, knowing that Lightfall was going to be mid. Yeah, I think also in the midst of all this stuff, there, there, there's a new HQ that was under construction. Which again, like oh, executive yeah. decision versus like 
just you know you just you've got you've got a lot of liquid capital tied up in a right. construction project in big building big in <laughs> this a day and age um <laughs> but what about like the that. advantages of big building and you know i i know some of the Schreier reporting and some of the other stuff has said like you know this is all bungee internal but like i find it hard to believe that there isn't some you know external internal pressure from sony to like tighten things up actually sony did say this jason scryer did report this i think it's scryer not schreier i'm not sure i actually haven't heard him say it out loud in years but um he did say that sony sent them a directive that said hey you guys are spending a little bit too much save money and they that was their directive and the CEO went, oh, oh, carte blanche. That means we get to fire people, right? And so I was like, we didn't say that. We, we just said save money, wh whatever that means. He's like, well, here's what we're going to do. We got this brand new 124,000 square foot building. That has to keep going. Also, All executive compensation, <laughs> not up for discussion as far as cost control. Can you believe that? Can you freaking just, believe you know, that? Plan the hits, right? Yeah, yeah. Just, just, just keep going, keep going. Um, it sucks. It's bad. And uh, you know, whether I play Destiny or not, my heart goes out to the people that like woke up one day out of nowhere, not expecting this. They're like, "Yeah, Destiny's not in a good place." And guess who else is not in a good place? Your employment prospects. You have 24 hours. So, like, they gave them like a day to leave. Like, you've seen some of those reports of how Bungie fired people. You'd think Bungie was the good company. It's like, no, nah, they're just like the rest. Right. Or at least they've, yeah. they've turned into the rest. Yeah. And that it's, sucks. Yeah, so I think, like, Absolutely I think sucks. probably, like, the... I think, to give a bit more context on, like, the, the pre-order numbers, I think, mm -hmm. kind of like you said, Ray, um, I and kind of like I mentioned, like, a lot of the initial kind of hype and player count and numbers around Lightfall maybe kind of meshed over some of the kind of middling to negative response it received. Mm -hmm. uh, I personally, in terms of Mike's tox Reddit toxicity, I have never seen the Destiny subreddit more actively hostile to the game people allegedly like playing uh, than <laughs> the couple weeks after Lightfall. Which it just mm -hmm. nothing ever was close, uh, and um, the uh, the final shape pre-order numbers were the community's first real heavy like because again the people who are going to do the raid race are the people who already have a season pass right like you, the season pass yeah. numbers are not really going to bear that through, but like when the final shape kind of hype reel dropped. And that's going to be people's first opportunity to really kind of demonstrate their excitement for stuff. Like, mm -hmm. I haven't pre-ordered it yet. I mean, I'm going to play it and probably get the whole thing. I just, I just haven't done it yet. Mm -hmm. um, I think that, so that's, a, I want to give it, so I, I think it's like, I still agree with you, Ray, but I think that that is like, it, it speaks to a, a studio that is not, it's not well-managed right now because yeah. that in that indication is enough of a financial strain that they have to make this move right that's insane to me it's like they are 
way like Josh said there we are just way over leveraged in a lot of other projects and instead of like keeping the scope <laughs> like uh, where it is and just I've actually... focusing on the things that we can, where they're doing well mm-hmm. it's like it's it's again like with the reason why everything is getting worse all around you is because stable pro- stable profit is not enough infinite growth is the goal and mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know if you can't do that you will be scrapped and sold for parts and we'll make something new I have never heard of a gaming studio go through a round of layoffs based on pre-order numbers that is a new one to me I have like market in the history yeah. books or something. I mean, I get I it. Know. Like it's a, it's a significant economic indicator these days. Yeah, I get it. But yeah, I think that's. So we should probably. I guess probably. We did it, Reddit. We 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 got people to not pre-order so much uh, that it, it caused the studio to reconsider things. Hey, we well, I, yeah, I've been saying it for years. Don't don't pre-order. Apparently, I was wrong. Pre-order games or pre-order <laughs> Uh, I, I will grasp that L firmly. That is my fault. I'm sorry. Every single Bungie employee and every every person across the industry, I will personally apologize to. But uh, breaking news as of an hour ago on the uh, Nintendo Water. Switch Facebook uh, page, oh, no. apparently on the Nintendo Switch Online expansion pack, uh, Jet Force Gemini is coming to the N64 emulator on the Nintendo Switch. Uh, so, hot take: that game is super mid. Get fucked! That game was amazing. Uh, I... Go play it. Go play it with fresh adult eyes. Okay, well, I loved Jet Force Gemini, so I go play it. Go. <laughs> well, I'm too cheap to <laughs> get the expansion pack, so I'll just emulate it and see how I feel about it. Yeah, yeah, that's that, that's the, that's the win. Maybe I'll do it honestly. on Unscripted Gaming Plays X, and you know where you can see that? Where? Unscriptedgaming.com. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. where you can get links mm-hmm. to all of our audio and video links. You can uh, interact with us on Facebook at Unscripted Game Podcast. You can get us on X or Twitter at Unscript underscore Gaming. The once in future Twitter dot com. <laughs> until it until it uh <laughs> you know has its inevitable heat death, which I think will be sooner rather than later but uh soundcloud.com slash unscripted dash gaming you can get our audio feeds for all of our shows at uh all the podcatchers thank you for listening to unscripted gaming my name is josh my name is mike Uh, my name is ray peace